good afternoon, morning, evening, whenever you're listening to this great, awesome, fantastic podcast, 204060. We're glad to welcome you, and we're glad to welcome one another. I am Gene Mims. I'm the 60 guy, and I welcome Jeff Mims. He's the 40 guy, and Jared Runyon is our 20, 20s guy, bringing the perspective of this generation. And so today we're going to look at something that I think uh, is interesting for the church. Uh, the the uh, evangelical church in America is predominantly white. It doesn't mean that uh, other ethnic groups are not evangelical. It just means that the large majority, like the large majority of Americans, are white. But uh, here lately, uh, Time Magazine put out a, a report, a little article, a brief article that essentially said that America uh, is going through uh, a number of changes, but two in particular is that uh, the number of white Christians in the U.S. is beginning to decline, and then a majority of white people are, as as a majority, are in decline. And so uh, we have a rise of uh, racial, ethnic diversity, and a growing number of people who are both not white and also not religiously affiliated. And so what impact is that going to have on the church? And uh, I'm going to let Jeff and Jared chase that for a minute because uh, what does it mean for a church like uh, Judson Baptist or the gathering where uh, I've just planted a church? Uh, what does that mean for us? What do you think? Well, I think this is not new news. Um, 20 years ago, I sat in a political science class where we talked about the largest you know, minority group in America by the time we reached into the 2000s would certainly start to look more Hispanic than at the time it had African-American. So I'm not surprised on the one hand of this. I do think that it has some implications for the church at large if they're talking about wanting to be sustainable for a long time. Uh, for instance, what are you going to do if you're in a transitioning neighborhood that is a community that was once a large majority of one you know, ethnic background. And it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it, it could be that you're, you were in a large Hispanic uh, population you know, neighborhood, and now it's more maybe Vietnamese or more it's, uh, maybe it's more Nepali. I mean, we live in, in, in a city where refugees are being resettled all the time. So there's the transition aspect of it, and that goes across all ethnicities. But I think for, in particular, as we're talking about the lessening of white Americans and maybe even white evangelicals, what is the church going to do? And we're going to have to address it uh, in some way, shape, form, or fashion. I think one thing uh, before Jared jumps in here, I think uh, from the perspective of this podcast, I, I believe that my generation was the generation that first faced this. I think your generation was the transition, but I believe Jared's generation is in it. Absolutely. I think that's, and so, so the perspective we have uh, is quite different. You agree with that, Jared? Totally, yeah. I think, you know, none of that feels like, oh, wow, how shocking is that to me? You know, mm -hmm. diversity is kind of just what I grew up in. And I, on one hand, you know, it doesn't feel like a challenge as much as it feels like an opportunity to me. Because I think about, you know, the gospel as a whole, the point is, is for everybody. It's, it's, it, it, it doesn't just work for the people that look like me or think like me or, you know, whatever. The, the point is, it's built for everybody. And so I see the whole thing as an opportunity to say, let's get this to everybody because it actually works for everybody. I think one thing that has to, uh, there are several things that pop into my head uh, right now. One thing I'm glad that Judson uh, a long time ago just said, you know what, uh, we're, in a, we're in an ethnically, racially diverse city. The doors are open. 
uh, here's who we are. This is what we do. We, we, we have worship. We do uh, life groups. You know, we do, we do missions and whatever. If you want to come and join that, it really doesn't matter to us, your socioeconomic status, your color or anything like that. And over the years, over the past decade plus, uh, our church has really changed, uh, ethnically. And, uh, it hasn't changed, uh, it has, it hasn't changed in many ways in terms of the mission, but it certainly has changed in terms of the makeup, which I, th- I think is good. And that's kind of hard to do. I think it's harder to do if you try to make that happen versus if you say, this is who we are, the doors are open and let's just invite everybody we know and whatever else to join us in, in what we're, you know, in what we're about. So the mission has to take precedence. Here, here's, here's an observation. If you go to any workforce cafeteria, you go to the high school cafeteria, you go to a college uh, a grouping or whatever else, and you walk into those rooms and you'll see ethnic groups together. You just will. Uh, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that's bad, or you'll see interest groups together. So if you go to a college cafeteria, uh, I, I, this is theoretical, but it's true, you'll see the athletes together, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see the, the people who like uh, drama together or soccer together or, you know, whatever. And then you'll see people who are culturally attuned together. And mm-hmm. so there may be a, a mix of people and a cross-mixing of fellowship, friendship, whatever the word is, but ultimately you kind of default to your culture or where you're comfortable with, and it has nothing to do with racial divide. It has to do with cultural expression. Mm-hmm. When you get to a church, you always have cultural expression. What you never want is racial or ethnic divide. Right. Well, and I think that, that some of the things that we're trying to undo in our own lives kind of center around the ideas that were first promoted in the church growth movement, that the idea was simply to grow your church as big and as fast as you could. And so you make it as a homogeneous group of people. Uh, and that does help you to grow big and fast, yeah, faster, much, for sure. Much easier culture. Uh, you know, because you're, you're not stepping on things that, that you're not attuned to. And, and, and what I would say for, you know, uh, for us, sometimes I, I know we find ourselves, um, working through the struggles of being a multi, multi-ethnic church because we do have now larger pockets of um, different ethnic groups coming. And sometimes, you know, we step on, we find ourselves stepping on each other a little bit. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, not, not intentionally, but just because you, you and your culture may not be attuned to some of the things, you know, as, as we laughed, I mean, I mean, we, we think it's, you know, we kind of laughed at this guy who said one time, you know, so how how many people do you think speak Mexican in our church? <laughs> and we said, well, it, probably none. They speak Spanish, you know. <laughs> and he was like, well, oh, yeah. I mean, and, and it, he wasn't trying to be insensitive to it, but in his experience as an older kind of member of our church, the first Hispanics he really knew in the States were all from Mexico. Well, hmm. you know, we're about to have a language day at our church just in our hispanic ministry not our burmese ministry or our haitian you know we have haitian families i mean just in the hispanic and we have nine countries represented you know in the 50 or so people that attend here every week well they all not only is it you know anglo hispanic but it's anglo hispanic cuban nicaraguan you know uh venezuelan you know, all those kinds of things wrapped in. And their cultures are not exactly the same. I mean, you'd be crazy not, not, to think that they are, the you know. so Any more than we're close that's to right. Mexico or Canada because we're in North America. Yeah, so it, it, it does it does create some of those tensions that you have to work 
through. And if you're not willing to do that, and if I think if everybody's not willing to have some grace for the other person to say like, oh, he didn't, I don't think that he meant that. And then to be able to sit down and say, hey, in a teachable moment, can I tell you why that might have been maybe not the best way that we could phrase that because half of this group didn't relate to it. All right. Well, I think one thing about the article that's a, that's a little confusing, if not disturbing, is there seems to be a parallel drawn by the de- decline of the white majority in church attendance. Mm. Like, you know, somehow we're either responsible for, <laughs> for that or the people who are coming here are not church attenders and we're, and we're worse off for them. I don't think the, the person meant to say it like this, but it's once again, it's research that's useless. You know, so we already know this. It's it's research that didn't tell us anything. No, you combine (laughs) the two things together. They're two facts that you put together, and they don't mean anything. It did bring up this question, though, something that you say all the time that I thought about is I can reach the people that I can reach, but it's going to take all of us to reach all of them. And so one thing that kept flagging in my mind as I'm reading through it is, like, it is more important than ever that people are on mission and that I make sure that all the people who are – leading small groups in our college ministry are reaching into the lives of the people that they have a reach into. Mm. And that's how we're going to diversify. So I was going to ask perspective on this in the 40 and 60. How do you keep people on mission and keep um, making sure that I'm not the, the minister in the room, but we're all the ministers and keeping people aggressive towards the people they have a reach into. Good luck. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough cool. to get anybody. I'm glad I asked. Yeah, it's work. I mean, isn't it? I mean, it's a very hard work. It you you say it all the time, and maybe you could run on this for a second. Is that you know, it's what you talk about will ultimately get done in yep. your organization or your ministry. One of the big problems that you have in being on mission is that people tend to become invisible to you. Hmm. So you have your circle, and you have your job, and you have your family, and you have your interest, and you have your church. And all of those things uh, are before you all the time. They're, they're like billboards all the time. You know, you're driving down the road and you see these billboards that remind you of something. I've got to buy this or go here or do whatever. Well, we have billboards in our lives. And, we, you know, we have the My Local billboard. We have the Gathering at 840 billboard. We have the Judson billboard. We have the Family billboard. We have the Marriage billboard. And so what that typically does is make people invisible. Now, what's even worse is that people who are of a different color almost totally invisible to us. So, uh, you know, we may work with them or attend church with them, but just when you're out and about, you don't tend to notice people at all, but especially people of a different ethnicity or color, except to say, ping, I'm not like that. You know, I don't get them. I don't understand them, whatever. Never thinking, I wonder how I can engage them or be kind or uh, just know, just kind of know them. Hmm. And we wait for that to happen in church when somebody shows up from a different culture or uh, there's a different color or whatever. And I, we're, we're happy at church and we, and then we do all those things. I want to get to know you. Can we help you? Can we, uh, share some time together? You know, what's your life like and whatever. But typically, uh, it, it's hard to get people on mission because aside from their, their circles of influence and activity, everything else becomes invisible. You know, you don't notice the, the, the server, you know, the barista, we were laughing about that. You don't notice those people because they just, they're doing something that you think helps you get to something else. And I, I think, I think to be on mission, whether you want to try to be missional or uh, attractive or uh, make an impact or whatever, you got to stop and just say, it's not just the people I know, but intentionally it's the people that I'm going to reach out to given the opportunity. It's not, you don't, I don't think you force it, but there are many opportunities 
in, in every day to do that. And I think that's, uh, it's a difficult thing, but if you talk about it enough and, and, and in, are in a place where people can hold each other accountable enough, uh, then, then it'll happen. I tell you what, if you're open to that, God will send people your way. He yeah. really will. He'll give you opportunity. Yeah, and I think if you engage intentionally when you have the opportunities, you know, for me, the greatest opportunities that I have now in our community probably center around my children, uh, who are in the, you know, I mean, in, in a diverse, as a diverse school system as I think you could hope to be in, uh, right now. Uh, in Metro Nashville. And so, you know, it's through their relationships because I, I was laughing. Uh, Sarah Kate, my daughter, was telling me that uh, she was having some time at school, like a recess time. And I said, well, who do you hang out with when you're there? And the two people that she consistently brings up, one is Jewish and one is Kurdish. So you have Jewish, Kurdish, you know, and then this kid who, you know, would have been otherwise defined as very waspy, you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, you know, in the middle of all that. And, and the, the three of them are building relationships together. And so that's actually been for us the greatest thing, just trying to open our home to those kind of things. Uh, you know, my son's friends with, you know, a Sudanese uh, guy who's just, he's just awesome. They're, and they're, they're tight. Um, he was very good friends with an, uh, a kid from India who ultimately moved back, but their family was in our home multiple times, or I'm sorry, in our home one time, multiple times in our church, different things that we did like that. It was just trying to say, oh, well, look, there is an opportunity. Let's engage. Hmm. At the heart of Jared's question is, you know, how do you lead people, uh, you know, to do this, to address the world as it is? I think a leader has to be very attuned to culture, you know, to the place where they live. Most, you know, most people in a church know their church better than their pastor, but most pastors or staff members know their community better than their people. Because what I'm saying, these blinders and these, you know, you're just blind to this kind of stuff. It's a, it's a leader's responsibility to acknowledge this is our mission to, to everyone, to, to all people. To everybody in your circle of uh, expression, influence, appreciation, whatever it is, we all work with different folks, go to school with different folks, and we're on mission there. You know, we're, we need to tell our story. Jeff has led us in that. You know, we need to tell our story and be the story. You know, it's his story, our story, hopefully their story. And you model that out, I think, as the leader with the people that show up at your church, you know, because uh you know for instance we we have a group we have certain groups of people that have just found their way to Judson you know through God's sovereignty it wasn't we didn't have a strategy i mean we were we didn't sit down and say well we want we want to get a, another ethnic group of people here how can we reach that uh i'm thinking about it in a couple of different groups in particular and for me i feel like that you model that for the people by when people walk through the door, you as the leader engage with them. Okay. You spend time with them. And that was always modeled to me growing up uh, by my parents, you know, is that they they were not afraid to ever engage with anybody. And that was a little bit countercultural. Uh, even, you know, certainly in the, in the 1980s, it was countercultural in the little town we lived in. Uh, but but for us, you know, that that has become somewhat normative for you it is absolutely normative and i think a big part of that and I, i've said this maybe before certainly in a in a college small group setting i don't i don't know if i brought it up in the podcast but if you just look at something like uh interracial dating and the way that it went through the generations you know between 60 40 and 20 
uh, you see the difference because when you come to my local, some of those blinders are gone, like he was talking about, because I think that's one of the greatest things about the millennial generation is that they're just seeing people for who they are. And so it, you know, that's not the first question on their minds about, well, if I was going to date somebody, what would that look like? How would my family feel if I did that's that has become more and more normative. And I think that's, I think that's helped push us along as well in Christian circles. I'm going to, I'm going to throw Jared under the bus here because you see, can't he, wait. He to, to, he's like a typical like music guy, always putting the pressure on the pastor. What are you guys going to do and whatever? How hard is it? Is it do you think to write a song multiculturally? You're a successful Ooh. song writer. Successful, uh, heavy on the quotes of that. What still, do you mean? still pending. You're successful man. Still pending. You're blowing up Spotify it's, and everything. Uh, people, you, people. You have an album, local when, sound baby. Hey, when I tell people I know you. They fawn over me. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, <laughs> yes, I have more respect. Who are you hanging didn't, out with? Didn't That's somebody ask you to sign their Bible recently? They did. Yeah, what did you put in there? I said, I know Jared. I mean, <laughs> what else would I say? That's right. No, this is very interesting. You know, I'm always about media and, and music and sports and whatever Speaking else. of, Gene brought his guitar. He's going to play a little something at the end hey, of this podcast. You're going to want to stick around away. for this. It's going to be hot today. There you man. go. Here it comes. So how hard, you know, think about culture now. Uh, does... Uh, has has or does or will the music you write and let's say uh, cover or whatever else is it is it multicultural is it does it have a following among uh, different groups? I'd like to think so. Um, it, it's always shocking to me that like people in different countries who don't speak our language will turn on to English songs who mm -hmm. they don't have a clue in the world what it's about, but there's a beat and a rhythm mm. and vice versa. If you've heard the song Despacito, nope, 80%. It's the number one song in the world right uh, now. Really? It's a Bieber and some Latin pop star. Oh, I heard that on the radio the day I turned it off. But yeah, I'm going to go back. <laughs> I'm going to Google, I'm gonna Google yeah. that. I'm 60, man. So that, I that's got a, the shaking in my car. Is that is that on your playlist? Right that now? song, I don't, I mean, it's not my favorite song, but it's the number one song in the you world. You know what? It is an interesting, it's an interesting mix, isn't it? It is. It's 80%. Spanish okay. the song is and it's the number one song in the US yeah. right now and I just think that's so interesting that like McKenna is is my wife is you know in the passenger seat trying to sing along to this song doesn't speak Spanish yeah. Yeah, well. but and, we've seen some crossover with that even you know so like in, in the 90s early 2000s Shakira comes on the scene and back then you know this will date me bad but Enrique Iglesias you know Julio's son I mean he he was kind of he kind of had a meteoric quick rise all of a sudden i mean so that's not unprecedented and i think that speaks a lot to our country doesn't it What's, isn't that so interesting though that it's like what i asked mckenna is she's attempting to sing along to these spanish lyrics and not getting any of them right is <laughs> what is this song about and does she doesn't have a clue but mm. the beat is so good and so she's just drawn into it so i do think you're right i think there's this uh, even away from content lyrically speaking i think that there's this this internal draw you know the church around the world has sung common hymns written by English people. You know, you go to Africa and they'll sing Amazing Grace. You go to China, they do the same thing. Jesus loves me, you know, kind of the missionary brought these songs and whatever. We have a, a missions partnership uh, with folks who are uh, writing music in Russia as Russian music. They don't just take and translate the music. They're, they're, these are Russians writing for the Russian church. And I, I, I'm going to be real interesting to see if something comes out of that that we'll begin to sing as English because I think you're onto something here. It seems like it seems like if the words are are God ordained and spirit given, 
the music can tag along, and somehow that transfers to the heart of a believer, no matter what the ethnic uh, vibe is or the cultural vibe is, or you know, or, or sometimes even the religion things. But do you ever think about that? About you know, I'm writing this song. I hope any and everybody, or do you have a specific audience of? Just little white college students, you know. Skinny jeans and little little only if you wear skinny jeans. Uh, That's it. You have to work at the well to listen to the music. I love that. I'm so, I'm pumped. Let's go get some coffee. I have thought about that though. Like music is like this capsule that is accessible to anybody and you can put things in there and anybody can receive it. Um, It it does make me think about the content that we're giving to people to sing. Um, Because I think, I can't take credit for this. Somebody said some quote about, how music is the greatest evangelical tool that we have today. It's because mm-hmm. it, it transcends language, culture, yep. whatever. And so I, I do think there's something about the music being the the vessel that we can put content in and make it accessible to anybody. Uh, you know, I do too. I think if, I think if the content is biblical, then God will honor it. If it's cultural, then I think people will, you know, kind of blow it off. You know, this is funny because last week, um, one of our leaders in our Spanish language groups asked me, he said, hey, I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you to do this. I am asking, though, would it ever be possible on a Sunday for us to sing a verse of a song in Spanish, hmm. then English, then Spanish, then English? Well, I never thought about that, you know, because I'm obviously not, I'm not in a Spanish language service, and... That is that is one of the things is that uh, when when you when you start talking and singing to the Lord, you want it to be in your heart language. Hmm. That that really does kind of come out when you're praying, when you're when you're when you're really trying to sing. That that's what moves you. And uh, I, I, that just wasn't on my radar. And I was like, yeah, we can definitely we can definitely do that, and we need to do that. That's a great call. I think you know? when that's been done here. <clears throat> like at communion at Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve, uh, that when someone had sung in Spanish or Korean in our church, our our folks, typically English speakers as a heart language like you're talking about, they love it. Yep. I mean, they absolutely totally. love it. Well, let, let me kind of shift gears here a little bit about what's the impact for leadership and programming. Uh, you know, when we were looking for a staff member recently, somebody said, do you think you would consider um, – uh, somebody else that's non-white. And we said, we're going to consider the best person we have. We don't care what color they are. We have, we have no, we have, you know, I, I, that's something that frankly didn't enter my mind. Uh, you know, it would, it would be a statement in the right quarters or whatever. I want the, I want the person that needs to be here right. and uh, whatever color they are, it doesn't matter. It, it never mattered to us as far as I know, is that, that would be correct. And I don't think it matters to our people. No, I don't uh, think so. Our people, uh, that, that's quite a that's quite a step for for our church, uh, you know, f- uh, for Judson. So when you talk about programming, one thing we've done is say, look, we're a church. We preach. We'll translate for you if it's not your heart language, which we do to our Hispanics, and offer to do to others as we find translators. And then you go to a life group, a small group that's in your heart language, because that's going to be where life can really be done. You're most comfortable there. Your kids will go to their friends groups, small groups, which are English based because they speak, you know, they're bilingual and it's worked great. I mean, it's, you know, it's been a, it's been a real boost, uh, and a strengthening, I think 
to our church. It's kind of been quietly done. And uh, if you come to our church, I think you'd be surprised at the number of, of ethnic or the ethnic mix, the diversity that happens to be there, uh, not only color-wise, but also culture-wise. It's, it's and now that's transcending into the children's ministry because of our ESL group on Wednesday night. We're now offering our first Awana classes for the littlest in Spanish. So the Cubbies now have a Spanish Awana class, hmm. which is great. Now, as they get older and get in school, that you know, we, we won't need Spanish Awana through fifth grade. You know, it, we don't think. We may. If we get a, a bunch of people moving in that want to be part of it, we'll certainly do that. But that's a great step. And what's awesome about that to me is that that is one of the first ministries that is taking off truly led by people who have been discipled up and out of the Hispanic ministry who have stepped up and said, yes, this is part of our church and we will do this. And uh, I loved this year looking at just our vacation Bible school workers who, yeah. who I mean, a lot of them had come out of some of these very ministries we're talking about who've been discipled up, raised up, and now they're serving. I think sometimes... Uh Folks, when you talk about programming and, you know, ministries and whatever else, if you're not careful, you'll put yourself in a box trying to do something that uh, the Apostle Paul never tried to do. He just simply said, I'm going to become all things to all men. If by all means, I might win some. He didn't say, I'm not going to be Jew anymore, or I'm just going to focus on, uh, you know, the uh, Cretans or the, you know, folks down in Ephesus or in Asia Minor. I'm not... You know, I'm not going to be culturally attuned just to uh, that person. One of the things I love about our Korean uh, brothers and sisters down there, from the beginning that church said, you know, we're Korean, but we're going after every ethnic group. Hmm. Uh, we're just going after them. And so they have, uh, they have Korean English services yeah. because they, they, have, they have Anglos who attend their services. And that's a kingdom thing to me. So the programming is, what is it that God told us to do Christ empowered us to do that's to make disciples. So you got to evangelize everybody. When they get saved, you got to disciple them, you raise them up to be Christ followers, and and all those kind of things. Not just good church members, but Christ followers. And then you hopefully, like you just said, they multiply themselves uh, and start uh, groups of their own, like like the Awana groups and the oh we we have discipleship groups and everything else. We we didn't start out to say we're going to have the Hispanic ministry. And the Bhutanese ministry, and uh, the you know African American ministry, and the white ministry. Uh, I'm way past all of that. Thank God I've I've been delivered from that. The transition started in the in the '60s, and I'm mm-hmm. in my '60s. Uh, I just moved on. It, it was it was a it was a joy to just move on by that. My deal is, uh, hey, if you want if you want to do kingdom work, let's go. I don't care I don't care who you are, what you've done, where you've been, what color you are. Uh, let's go, let's get it done. And so I think our church has reflected that, and hopefully everything we do in the future will reflect that. Well, I feel like I've, once again, carried the day here. Jared, <laughs> you've been almost not i got to ask one last question before oh, we do. Do we have time for one more question? Absolutely. This is a quick one. I was talking to my mom yesterday, and she was going to the, um, the, the Beth Moore event in Michigan. And I'm like, you know, how was it? How'd it go? And she said something interesting. She was like, well, you know, there's a couple thousand 50-year-old white women that look, you know, just like me and think like me. And, and that's not a knock against Beth Moore. I think she's amazing. Yeah. But I did think about how you, you naturally gather and lead who you are, you in do. a sense. You do. And so what would you say to the local church pastor who said, 
were not necessarily diversified, but they have a heart for it. And yeah. they, they, they want to diversify. Well, first of all, where are you? That's the first thing. Look around and see where you are. See who the lost people in your community are. Then secondly, how do you think you can best reach those people? Now, if you're, uh, you know, if you're a Anglo church in a Hispanic area or African American area, whatever else, uh, to go in, I, well, let me reverse that. I've got a great friend in Virginia who's in a hundred plus year old African American church and he desperately wants to reach his community, which is 99% white. Well, you know, he's invited people, he sent out cards and all, and they don't come. So he's now engaging people to say, okay, I can't do it, you know, like I'm comfortable in doing it, so i got to have some help because there's lost people around here. How do I reach these white people? So so you have to do it that way. Where am I, and what's what, what's the best means of of reaching people? Well, first of all, you build a relationship with somebody in that community, just somebody, and you start – you know, you start slowly. Don't ever despise a day of small things. That's what, that's biblical. Mm-hmm. Start out where you can and influence it where you can. Don't try to make your church, you know, uh, ethnically diverse, uh, before you get on mission to the, to the place where you are. Find a way to minister, to tutor, to do whatever. Find a, find a way to do something that that community uh, really and truly needs. That's if nothing else, just make the building available for yeah. something. So one thing he has done is he does a daycare. He does a, uh, you know, where folks drop their kids off and, uh, that, that's given that church tremendous publicity. This is the church that'll take care of your kids and they'll do a great job. So that's, that's the way I would say. That's awesome. Where, where am I? What can I do? I've got to do something. God's told me to do it. He's empowered me. Now let me go find the solution to that. So the so the thing is not to get your church growing, the thing is to get the kingdom growing. So I think, and then the church will grow if you do that. That's my my take on it. Well, I've learned a lot here today. I hope everybody else has. I've asked some some questions and took a lot of notes on my phone. And yeah, I, feel, I noticed that. I feel good to go. I noticed that. Ready to roll now. Doing email. And this there. is where Gene's going to sing a song for us. Man, I pulling out. Way there it is. Yeah. All like right, folks. Listen. Would you please tell your friends to listen? to these podcasts. It's our joy to do them. We love to, to chase these topics. And if you have something you want us to chase, uh, just uh, email us here at Judson Baptist Church or uh, call us if you have our number, whatever. Just get in touch with us and we'll, we'll take care of that. So we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for being part of our lives. <laughs>